Seamus, The Case of the Mason Jar, Part 12, The Long Night, is based on the book by John MacDonald, A Bullet for Cinderella. I was famished. In 12 hours, I'd be picking Susie up. Either with her or alone, in 24 hours, I'd be gone. Once I had the money, maybe I could begin to think clearly again. I found a place to eat, and I was just finishing up when the police diver came in. She sat beside me at the counter and gloomily flipped the menu open. A hell of a long day. It has been. Not over yet. At least they're giving me time to eat. Until who knows when. I thought Captain Wayne said he'd just wait and hope Stucky gets picked up. That's right. I mean about the girl. I suddenly felt very cold. What girl? I thought you knew about that. The Hirsch girl. Keller brought her back to town. He left her off at her car. They found her car parked on North Delaware. And nobody's seen her since. Her old man is fit to be tied. Everybody's running around in circles. I couldn't finish the little bit of food that was left. I couldn't drink the rest of my coffee. It was as though my throat had closed. I wondered how soon they would add two and two. Irene had been subdued and thoughtful when she left the lake. She was the sort of person to do her own investigating. She was the sort of person who would go and talk to Stucky. She would underestimate his cleverness. It wouldn't take him long to learn that the car had been found, to learn that they were searching the area of the lake cabin. In the moment he hid Pratt's body in my car, he had made his first mistake. He waited expecting me to be jailed for Pratt's murder. When I wasn't, he would know that I had successfully gotten rid of the body. No one had spotted it in my car. Thus, when it was found, it could as readily be traced back to him as to me. Leon had become the weak link. Leon, by talking, could disclose Stucky's motive for Pratt's murder. And so Leon had to die. Stucky had killed him boldly, taking his risk and getting away with it. Just when Stucky thinks everything has been taken care of, Irene Hirsch arrives. He can't leave without her immediately spreading the alarm. He needs a grace period, time enough to get far away before someone else makes the same guess she has made. That left him with a choice. He could tie her up and leave her there, but that would be too clear an admission of guilt. He could take her with him. That would be awkward and risky. Or he could kill her. You okay? You don't look so good. I managed a feeble smile and I said I'd see her around. I paid and left. It was too easy to visualize her dead with raw new lumber stacked over her body, her dark red hair against the damp ground in the coolness of the night. Facing the possible death of Irene made me see the light fading from Abby's eyes all over again. I went directly to police headquarters. I demanded to see Captain Wayne. After 15 minutes, they let me in to see him. I told him that I thought Irene's disappearance had something to do with Stucky. He looked older and tired. He nodded without surprise. She knew Leon pretty well. Maybe she remembered something Leon said about Stucky, so she tried to check it out herself. Maybe he thinks she was the only one who guessed. I've thought of that, James. I don't like it. I've got a crew out there searching the yard. I thought of something else, too. Maybe Pratt guessed. 
Maybe that's why something happened to him. Thanks for coming in, James. I added it up about a half hour ago. I don't like the total. Can I help in any way? You look like hell. You better try to get some sleep. I don't think I'll be able to sleep. I drove back out to the motel. It no longer seemed important about meeting Susie in the morning. It didn't matter anymore. I had come here to LeBrook to find treasure. I had thought I'd find it buried in the ground. I had tried to play the role of thief. It didn't fit. It would never fit. The money meant nothing. Saving Irene meant everything. I had had a chance with her and I lost it. They don't give you second chances. That wouldn't stop me from finding her. I parked in front of my motel room. The office was dark. The no vacancy sign was lighted. Cars set in the light of an uneasy moon and travelers slept. I unlocked the door with my key and stepped inside, reaching for the light switch. Something came out of the darkness and slammed against my jaw. Pain blossomed red behind my eyes. A skyrocket roaring was in my ears and I felt myself fall into nothingness. I came to in a brightly lit place. I opened my eyes and saw nothing but white glare and closed them quickly. The white glare hurt my eyes. My hands were behind me, fastened there somehow. I was in an awkward position. Something soft filled my mouth, holding it open. I opened my eyes again, squinting. I saw that I was in the small-tile bathroom of the motel. The door was closed. I lay on my side on the floor. Orange Stucky sat on the side of the tub. He wore khakis. He looked at me with those eyes like smoke. His pale, colorless hair was tousled. I could sense at once that he had gone beyond the vague borderline of sanity. It was like being in a cage with an animal. He stood up, closed the lid on the toilet, bent over me, picked me up with disconcerting ease, and set me on the closed lid, holding me for a moment until he was certain I wouldn't topple over. He sat on the rim of the tub again, facing me. We aren't going to talk over a whisper, James. We aren't going to make any sudden noises. If we make any sudden noises, I'm going to snap your neck with my hands. It wouldn't be hard to do. Nod your head if you're going to be quiet. I nodded. He took a knife out of his pocket, opened the blade, and leaned toward me. He put the cold steel against my cheek, holding it there, smiling in an odd way. Then yanked it toward him, cutting the strip of tape that held the dry washcloth in my mouth. I pushed the washcloth out with my tongue, and it fell to the floor at my feet. Where's Irene? That was just a little bit too loud. Irene is all right. Thank God. (laughs) Not God, me. I had the idea, not God. She was on the ground, on her face, out like a light. I took hold of that wonderful hair in my left hand, and I pulled her head up. I held this little knife against her throat. It's sharp enough to shave with. I was about to pull it through her throat when I suddenly began to wonder if she might be worth something. So I didn't do it. She's all right. Don't thank God. Thank Orrin Stucky. She isn't comfortable. She isn't happy. But she's still alive, James. Where is she? Not over half a mile from here. But you don't know what direction. It's across country. I was trained to hunt at night. I move well at night, James. I'm good at night. You know how I used to get around? You remember that? She's well tied, James. She can't even wiggle. She can't make a sound. You're really worried about her, aren't you? 
She came to the yard for a little heart-to-heart talk. Did they find the bodies, James? They tore up the garage floor. Now, they could ask Leon all about it, but Leon won't have a word to say. Leon isn't talking. Leon didn't have much more left. Just a little equity in the lumber yard. A little stock in the store. Not enough left to stay around for. Leon set me up pretty good. It should have been more. He didn't have to give up. He could have gotten on the ball and started making more. He could have tried to fatten up the kitty. But he was selfish. He would have to live longer. You killed him. That was a shade too loud, James. Just a bit too loud. How are you coming with Pixie, James? Find her? You took an awful chance killing Leon. You won't believe this, but I didn't kill him. He started to come, too, while I was stripping him. But I poured more liquor into him. People drown themselves and shoot themselves and cut their wrists all the time. I thought it was a nice touch to have him kill himself naked. I got him propped up on the side of the bed. I got the muzzle with the towel around it between his teeth. The gun was about the only thing holding it up. I wanted the angle to be right, and I wanted to do it when there was a lot of noise in the building. But I wanted to do it, James. You know, you plan a thing and you work it out just right. You want to do it. But he opened his eyes. He looked right at me. He looked ridiculous with the gun in his mouth. He looked right at me and put his big toe against the trigger before I could stop him. I don't know if it was an accident. What do you think? I think he did it on purpose. So do I. So do I. It makes me feel a little strange. He maybe did it like a joke. He did that well. He didn't do much else well. He didn't do well marrying that woman or burying her either. I thought I'd hit the money when I dug under the pines. It turned out to be the woman and the salesman. It disappointed me, James. It turned out to be just like finding money, didn't it? They're all after you now. Do you think that worries me? It doesn't worry me a bit. Maybe you ought to be worried. Where's Pratt? I didn't think you could get out of that. You surprised me a little, James. I thought it would get you arrested. What did you do with it? I hid the body in an abandoned barn. I bet you did some sweating. Pratt was smart. He was in my league, James, not yours. He added things up. He was a pro. He came looking for horsemen. He knew the body had to be around somewhere. I think he had an idea about the money. He knew I was after something. I caught him looking for the bodies at the cabin. We had a little talk. He got rough. I got mad and hit him too hard. That made it awkward. I put him in the back end of my car. I didn't know where to dump him. I was thinking of an alley, so they'd think he'd been mugged. I found your car by accident. Saved me a lot of time. After I killed Pratt, I knew I had to get Leon out of the way. He was the only one who could tie me to Pratt. It took some planning and some luck. I didn't have time to work on the pixie angle. How are you coming? I could see the shape of it. Leon could tie him to Pratt, and Leon was dead. I could tie him to both of them. It was only through his greed that I could buy time, buy Irene's life. I found her. I think I better have that money before I take off, James. They're going to get you. I don't think so. I don't figure it that way. They might have got me if I cut her throat. I wanted to, but I didn't let myself. They would have hunted me too hard. Now you can trade information for her, Hunter. If she doesn't mean anything to you, too bad. I can kill you right here and go kill her and be on my way and be careful and take my chances. I couldn't leave you here telling them about Leon and Pratt and then finding my money. I'd rather nobody found it. Somebody's going to find it. 
The girl's going to find it. She knows where it is. Where is it, Hunter? She wouldn't tell me. I told her too much. I couldn't find out any other way. She's more in your league, Stucky. I'm picking her up tomorrow morning in Reading at 10 o'clock. She's going to go with me to where the money's hidden. You're stalling. I scared you when you're making things up. You're just smart enough to know that if you are going to get it tomorrow and yet you don't know where it is, I've got to leave you alive. You're that smart, and that's why you made it up. It's the truth. I don't think it's the truth at all. I think maybe you haven't gotten any place. I think I've stalled around here too long. I think I'd like to hear your next nap. I can do it so quick you'll hardly know what happened. Maybe you won't know at all. Look in the closet in the bedroom. Her luggage is there. For the first time, he looked uncertain. He turned out the bathroom light and went into the next room. He came back with two suitcases. He shut the door and turned the light on again. He opened them and looked at the clothing. This is pretty good stuff. This belongs to her. What's it doing here? We were going to get the money and go off together. I could see him appraise that and half accept it. But I don't like the idea of letting you go and get it. I can't keep an eye on you. Stucky, listen to me. I don't give a damn about the money. You can have every cent of it after I get it. I'll trade all of it for Irene Hirsch. Then see how it will be. You'll have the money. They think Leon was a suicide. Maybe they'll never find Pratt. I covered the body with hay. The barn's about to fall down. Nobody ever goes there. They won't look as hard for you. You'll be a lot safer. You're lying. This is a stall. It's not. I'll prove we were going to go away together when we get the money. Look for a small black box in the bottom of the smaller suitcase, under the clothes. Yes, that's it. Look under the partition. He took the money out, rifled through it, folded it once, and put it in his shirt pocket. He looked at me for a long moment, his eyes dubious. I don't like to think about the next half hour. He put the gag back in my mouth. He had strong hands, and he had a small, sharp knife, and he had a sadistic knowledge of the nerve ends. From time to time, he would stop and wait until I quieted down, then loosen the gag and question me. The pain and humiliation made me weep like a child. Once, I fainted. Finally, he was satisfied. He had learned how much I thought of Irene. He had learned that I knew we had to go to where the money was by boat. He knew that I had guessed that we'd start at the Haver house north of town, and he knew that I knew no more than that. After that, he cut my hands loose. He was perfectly safe in doing so. At that point, I was too weakened by pain to be any threat to him. You'll get the money. You'll dig it up. You'll come back here with it? No. He took a quick half-step toward me, and I couldn't help flinching. Memory of what he could do was clear. What do you mean? I mean, I don't trust you to do what you promised, Stucky. I've got to know Irene will be all right. I've got to know she'll be safe, or you don't get the money. I broke you this far. You want to be broken the rest of the way? I don't think you can do that. After a long time, he gave a shrug of disgust. Maybe not. How do you want it worked? I want to see her. I want to see that she's alive before I give you the money. It could be by the river. Then if you cross me, I'll throw the money in the river. I swear I'll do it. You would, wouldn't you? You're making it rough. I can't risk being seen. I'll see that we start off by boat at 1 o'clock. I don't know how far we have to go or how long it will take. You could bring her to the Haver house at 2. It's a risk. It's isolated. There's no cell service there. At least I didn't have any bars when I was up there. I'll give you the money and I'll see that you get a fair start. That's the most I can do. 
I won't try to make it any safer for you. But you promise a fair start? I promise that. He snapped out the bathroom light. I heard the door open, then I heard the outer door open and close. I walked unsteadily through the dark room to the front door. I opened it. The moon was gone. The wind sighed across the flats on the far side of the road. There was no sign that Stucky had ever been there. The night was still. He was very good in the night. I remembered that. There was a first aid kit in my car. I got it. The small cuts had not bled very much. I cleaned myself up and bandaged the cuts. I ached all over. I felt sick and weak as though I were recovering from a long illness. I kept seeing his eyes. His powerful hands had punished nerves and muscles. Even my bones felt bruised and tender. I went to bed. I was certain that Irene was still alive. I hoped his greed would be stronger than his wish to kill. I hoped his greed would last through the night. But there was something erratic about his thought patterns. There was an incoherency about the way that he talked, jumping from one subject to the next. He had vast confidence in his own powers. I wondered where he had Irene, a half a mile away, across country. Maybe she was in his car and it was parked well off a secondary road. Maybe he had found a deserted shed. As I lay awake trying to find some position in which I could be comfortable, I heard it begin to rain. The rain was light at first, a mere whisper of rain, and then it began to come down. It thundered on the roof. It made a drench of the world bouncing off the painted metal of the cars, coming down as though all the gates of the skies had been opened. Thank you for listening to Seamus. If you liked this episode of Seamus, please leave a review and tell your friends. This has been Seamus, The Case of the Mason Jar, Part 12, The Long Night. It is based on the book by John MacDonald, A Bullet for Cinderella. Hunter James was played by Tom Hinton. The Police Diver was played by Jean Phillips. Captain Wayne was played by Patrick Brancato. Oren Stuckey was played by Nick Gordon. I'm Leslie Woodruff. This episode of Seamus was written by Max Reese and directed by Tom Hinson. Seamus is a New Meadows Media production. All rights reserved.